Okay, Chavre, this is our Mamish Erev Rosh Hashanah class. It's a halachi class. And um, I want to touch upon a couple of interesting, new, relatively new, let's say, COVID-related topics, Bikitzer. And then we'll go through the basic halachis and menhagim that we have over Rosh Hashanah. Okay, many people have a minig. I know this is more men than women, but there's a minig to nullify our vows Erev Rosh Hashanah. Many people are asking whether they can do it via Zoom. So just for the record, the answer is yes. As long as the, the Beisden in front of whom we make these declarations are all together physically, then the person making that nullification can participate via electronically. Another interesting um, COVID new Shaila is whether one can cover the, the top of the Shafer with a mask which certainly has a health benefit. Same logic that people wear a mask over the mouth and nose, because to a certain degree it diminishes the droplets from spreading even further. If, God forbid, the one who's blowing the shayfet were to have COVID, and people were to stand in the close proximity, so many people are advocating for the for Pasha to take a mask and to cover the top of the shayfet. There are, like in many other areas, various opinions, I mean the options are yes or no, but the consensus, at least the Rabbanim that I consulted with in the Chabad world, strongly opine no, that this is prohibited because it modifies, even though a little, but it modifies the sound of the shoifer, and therefore we're not allowed to cover the opening of the shoifer. Yes, you know, first of all, lucky those people who have outdoor uh, areas to daven, it's physically much safer, and even in the outdoors, whoever blows the shafer should make an effort, as should the others, of staying a little bit further as they normally do, you know, to social distance, so to say, from the shafer itself. Another interesting question, just to be aware of, is that as technology is getting more advanced, there are certain organizations in Israel that they are primarily working to facilitate religious members of government, men or women. Now in the state of Israel, there are many frumayidin, men and women that are part of the government. Now, a government cannot shut down for Shabbos. This is pikuach nefesh. So if there's no other alternative, then they can be machalal Shabbos for matters that are state-related. I know that there are, there are layers to that, but that's just a general, a correct general statement. Having said that, even when one is allowed to be machalal Shabbos, you try to minimize the chilal Shabbos. So amongst the so there's an organization that they are very innovative and they figured out cars that you can drive that either doesn't really break Shabbos at all or there's a diminution in the Echilul Shabbos, a, a pen which can somehow be used to write and all sorts of gimmicks that people there are extremely learned and we are basically looking for legal loopholes facilitating certain activities which are going to be done anyways. And as time is going on, many are trying to borrow that technology and share it with the larger Orthodox Fruma world. And there's a, there's a lot of resistance, rightfully so. One of the, one of the new COVID-related shilas that I had this week is that for a while, there's a certain type of microphone, without mentioning names of organizations, that perhaps break Shabbos less than the traditional microphones. And being that most minyanim 
are going to be outdoors, people are certainly making an effort to daven outdoors, and outdoors is very noisy, and outdoors the voices don't carry, and like our shul, many shuls happen to be on a very busy street, because normally in the zonings throughout the world, legal shul is normally on a busy street, so there's noise, and you're outdoors, so there are certain peoples that want to know whether certain types of microphones may be used, I had actually a very late night conversation about that with a very big Dayan who strongly is against any type of microphone, even if um, if you were to study the technology, you can argue that, that technically it's not in violation of Shabbos or Yantiv. However, most people are not aware of all of those little nuances. And there's always the fear that if once it will become, if it will ever become common practice to use technology, then it's going to be a slippery slope and there's a lot of pushback just sharing that uh, back and forth. I know that here in Los Angeles, some um, communities that are part of the of the Orthodox world are contemplating using, and anyways, we are strongly against it, not against the people. We fully understand that. I'm just speaking about Hashkafa-wise. We are from the team, we Lubavitch, we Chabad, that uh, we are very much opposed to uh, using technology even if... There are certain scenarios in where it's permissible, like I mentioned, because it's a slippery slope. Now, if a person is going to be violating the Shabbos anyway, because halacha allows a person to do so, like in Israel, if you are a member of the government, a woman who's going to the hospital here to have a baby, there we want to tap into these technologies to violate it Shabbos on a much lower level. But l'chatchila, in a healthy, normal community, we don't we don't go there. Um just a little bit later, there's the gloves. Anyways, okay, we'll leave that. We'll leave that for that. Let me go through the seder of this year. This year, Rosh Hashanah is this coming Friday night. Women who light candles, women should light candles. That have made a mitzvah. That girls should light candles as well. We make two blessings. The first bracha is a composite of, is a compilation of Shabbos and Yoim Hazikorin. If I'm not mistaken, Yoim Azikaren is the name, one of the various names that we give for Rosh Hashanah. It's the day that God remembers certain events that happened with our forefathers and mothers of the past. And that memory is, is part of what inspires God to bless us with the in a revealed, a good and joyful and healthy way. So it's also known as Yoim Hazikaren. So we say, Shabbos Vishal Yoim Hazikaren. That's bracha number one. Bracha number two is Shehechiyonu. Pointing out that Bechlal, the original formulation of the bracha for Shabbos is Lahadlik Nereshal Shabbos. Many years later, right, th- th- these blessings were written out 2,500 years ago by the basin of Ezra the scribe or Ezra the counter. Many years later, people added the word Kodesh. And even though we're never allowed to add anything to a bracha, that addition is not problematic because you add the word Kodesh when you finish the bracha already. Right? Lahad Likner Shal Shabbos. So what if you add the word Kodesh? Many women daven the long tefillahs. They're not changing the formulation of the bracha because they're saying it at the end. However, like for example this year when Shabbos and Yom Tev are together, Shabbos Rosh Hashanah, so the bracha of the Anshei Knesset Sagdoila is Lahad Likner Shal Shabbos, Shabbos first. Vishal Yom Hazikarin, only now is the bracha done, you only finish the bracha after you mentioned Rosh Hashanah, so here we don't add 
the word Kaidish, just explaining why indeed we don't do so. Because that's an addition that came many years later. Um, when the men come home from night, it's good for men to know that before they start Kiddush and Yontif, they should look at the candles. The reason why men should look at the candles before they make Kiddush, because I know that Shabbos is Shabbos, and Shabbos candles need to be lit before Lichbenshin, when it's still Friday, but Yomtev generally, we are allowed to pass fire to fire on Yomtev. Which is why on Yomtev, even though our midig in Chabad is to make an effort on the first night of Yomtev, to light it also, candle lighting time, but the second night of Yomtev, you dafka may not light it at candle lighting time. You are only allowed to light the candles of the second day Yomtev when the first day of Yomtev fully is over. Especially this year, Shabbos going into Sunday. On Shabbos, you're not allowed to even transfer fire. So therefore, we light the candles late. Once people light candles late, there's a possibility that a woman will forget to light the candles. And, and therefore, before a man makes Kiddush, it's good to look at the candles, even though this Friday night woman lighted by Lichbench, and that's the minute. Um, after Kiddush, after Kiddush, we go straight to washing on the first night of Rosh Hashanah, unlike the second night of Rosh Hashanah. First night of Rosh Hashanah, Kiddush, with all of the brachas that you have in the Siddur, washing for challah. We don't initially dip the dala in challah and salt, we dip it into honey. Minik Chabad is we dip it into honey three times. Yes, we still have salt on the table. And right after you have the challah and the honey, before you begin with the fish cores, the first night of Rosh Hashanah, this is the time when we dip the apple and the honey we have to make a bracha ha'etz because the apple is not part of the meal. And just like when you have dessert at the end of the meal, dessert is not included in the hamoitzi. Since the apple is not being eaten for nourishment, for satiation, it's being eaten because there's a minute to have apple, which is sweet, and honey, which is double sweet, as a simon that it's going to be a sweet year. Begin the year sweet, begin the meal sweet. But it's not considered halachically part of the meal, so you have to make number one a bracha for the apple. And number two, this is the only Yehidatzayin prayer that Chabad says on the first night of Rosh Hashanah. Actually, it's the only Yehidatzayin that we say on both nights. The only night that we make a Yehidatzayin is on the first night when we say Yehidatzayin Mofanecha Shetachadish Oleinu Shana Tov. Our meaning is to say the Yehidatzayin before you eat. Bracha and eating, we do not consider this a hefsik between the bracha and the eating. Now, there are many other food types that people eat on the first night of Rosh Hashanah. Um, we have a pomegranate on the first night of Rosh Hashanah. People get confused here because there is a, there is a halachic emphasis in having a new fruit for the second night of Rosh Hashanah. And it happens to be that sometimes the family forgot to get a new fruit for the second night of Rosh Hashanah. So if they don't have a new fruit for the second night, then they could use the pomegranate, which is a seasonal fruit, for the second night Rosh Hashanah. That's why some people don't remember, do I have it the first night, do I have it the second night? The pomegranate really should be eaten the first night. People only eat it the second night if they forgot to get a new fruit. So being that we're learning Baruch Hashem Tuesday, so it's important to get a something new for the second night. And therefore, coming back to the first night, after you made the ha'etz for the apple, also have some of the demon, some of the pomegranate.
Now, there are many minhagim of unique foods that we eat on the first night Rosh Hashanah. Some people even borrow the term Seder. There's like the Seder or the Semanim. Semanim is actually used in Shulchan Aruch. Minak Chabad is to follow what it says in Shulchan Aruch. So we have a head of a fish. It says to have the head of a ram. Now people don't um, negate that minik. Most people that I know don't have a head of a ram because it's very difficult to get hold of a head of a ram. Which explains why Bechlal and Chabad and Jews that came from very poor countries or that lived in poor countries for a very long amount of time, their tradition and their families won't be to have that many of these simanim. Not because we minimize the simanim, but because our grandmothers, Halavai, Halavai, they had money for the apple, which was the most important one. So then if you have additional funds, nothing wrong with you going back to the way things used to be. We try to consume... We try to consume foods that have names that are connected to sweetness, that have names that are connected to multiplication. We're talking about the name of the product, the name of the fruit, the name of the vegetable, the name of the dish, or that they are very sweet. What we try to avoid during Rosh Hashanah is eating foods that are bitter, eating foods that are excessively sharp. Salt is an exception. And mashka is an exception, if you're going to consider mashka sharp. That's something that we do have on Rosh Hashanah. Obviously, all, all in moderation. Um, but many people don't have chrein. Many people don't have sharp salads. Many people don't have vinegar. V'chulei, v'chulei. What we do have is, let's say we have carrots. Ashkenazim have carrots because in Yiddish, a carrot is called a merele. And the word mer, merenzich means to multiply so it's like we're wishing each other that the family should grow, large families, and, and stuff similar to that. Obviously, if you have a minig and your parents made a hirotzen, there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong doing so. But just to know for the record that minig chabad is to say one yehirotzen. We do all of this after we wash. It's the apple dipped in honey. We try to have a pomegranate. We try to get ahead of a fish. And then follow the minig that you have that you buy your, from your parents. And if your parents didn't eat anything other than that, that's also just fine. Um, the main, I'm just go to the second night before I come, before I come to the date. Again, just to reiterate some special um, halachis regarding the shofar blowing. That the second night is a bit different. Again, the second night we don't lamp, light candles by candle lighting. We have to wait until Shabbos is over. And normally it's the responsibility of everyone to remind each other before Kiddush to light the candles. Again, the best Eitzah is for the man who's making Kiddush to become habituated, to get into the habit of always looking at the candles before he begins Kiddush. Like this, if the candles are not lit, he'll realize and he'll remind the Akedah Sabayis to light the candles of Yantif. Here on the second night, a woman also makes two brachas. But the first bracha is only Shalyem Hazikarim. And the second bracha again will be Shehachiyanu. And in order for the woman to make a Shehachiyanu, as the man who will make a Shehachiyanu by Kiddush, and it should not go into a doubt as how can you make a Shehachiyanu, it's not new, it's already the second day. Ideally, it's important to have something that deserves a Shehachiyanu, something new. That's the origin of having a new fruit, of having a Pri Chadash, 
Now, it's not a deal breaker. If there's no new fruit and no new dress and no new jewelry and no new anything, we still make a shachianu, but it's ideal to have the new fruit and therefore, you can already put the new fruit on the table near the candles before the women light the candles. Unless you have a new piece of jewelry, unless you have a new piece of garment, which is something that normally happens more over Yantiv versus over Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. But be that as it may, you make two barachas both nights, uh, Havdalah is part of Kiddush. Havdalah is inserted in the Kiddush. On the second night, being that the man just made Shechianu, it is the second night that we eat the new fruit before we wash. First night, the apple and honey after we wash. Second night, the Prichadash before we wash. I'm repeating it a few times because it takes many people, most people, until when they're 40s or in their 50s to do it enough times to remember it. Not that people's memories are that bad, but when you do something only once a year, it's a, there's a much higher chance, unless you are gifted with a photographic memory, that you will forget. Um, our minig is not to say any Yehirat since the second night. I don't know other people's minhagim, but listen, if you guys come from a family who had a minig to do the samanim the second night, gezunt hate, nothing wrong with that. But in, what we follow is what it says in Shulchan Aruch, is that we have a new fruit before we wash. Okay, now let us speak again a little bit about the shoifar. The, the mitzvah of shoifar, even though theoretically will not be a mitzvah that women are obligated to listen, they get the mitzvah if they do, but they theoretically are not obligated to hear because it's a time-bound mitzvah. It's a mitzvah saseh man gerama. Nevertheless, many halachic poiskim are of the opinion. That since in this last generations, in the later generations, all women always hear the shoifar, it became like something that the women undertook upon themselves as a obligation, and therefore women are, to a certain degree, obligated to hear the shoifar. And that's a very important halacha. Why am I saying it's important halacha? Because if women, take would bechlal not be obligated, then a man who already fulfilled his obligation would not be allowed to make a bracha if he blows it for the women. Now that we are saying that women are, are to a certain degree, obligated so if you're blowing shoifer to a group of women and one of the people in the group never heard the shoifer yet that day, it's always better for the person who didn't do the mitzvah yet to make the bracha. But if not, meaning if none of the people present are able to articulate the blessings that we make before blowing of the shoifer, then the blower is allowed to remake the blessings even if he's blowing it for women. When a person blows the shoifer, so really, as we spoke last week in great length, there are a total of 100 soundings that ideally should be made to cover both the biblical and the rabbinic obligation. However, if a woman is not present during the entire davening, if she heard the first 30 soundings, she fully fulfilled the obligation and she certainly got the mitzvah. And furthermore, when we go Miftzayim, not every person even does all the 30 soundings. It's not, for many people, blowing of the shoifer takes a lot of energy out of them. And if, they go, if they're going to a hospital or to a place where, they, where every, you know, 20 minutes they're blowing the shoifer again, they don't have the koyach to blow all of the soundings. It suffices to blow uh, three sets, which is a total of 10 soundings. Tashrat, Tashat, and Tarat, as we explained, as we explained last week. Now, there are certain parts of the Shemayna Esrei Tfila 
that are modified in the sense of that we add parts to the Shemona Esrei, beginning the first night Rosh Hashanah, all the way through, including until the end of Yom Kippur. Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, it's a lot easier to remember those insertions and those modifications is because people who daven, daven from a machzer. What's a lot more important to tell ourselves to remember is that right after Rosh Hashanah, for those who daven Maidiv, or for the next day, Tzom Gedalia, right, Monday morning, Shachras, when you go back to daven in a normal Siddur, to remember that there are important changes that are so essential that if we forget to make that change, like for example, at the end of the third bracha in Shemayna Esrei, which concludes during the year with the words Hokel, right, that's God's name, HaKadosh, there we, we have to say and if we don't you got to repeat the whole Shemona Esrei so just hazarding these basic halachis uh, that we should remember all of those additions Tashlich um, is something that we do not do on Shabbos so normally the minik Chabad is to make an effort to, to say Tashlich to do Tashlich Dafka on the first day of Rosh Hashanah um, this year before COVID because of being Shabbos, we would normally do it on Sunday afternoon. We do it the sooner the better. Um, being that it's important to do our part in following the rules of social distancing. So I know that people that live in the neighborhood, they go over to uh, the Shagalov's pond. And I mean, COVID is a new thing. I'm sure it could be done in a way where people are more spread out. But I'm just saying, listen, everyone has a different standard of where they would like to adhere to. Uh, for me, it only makes sense. Like, you know, Baruch Hashem, we're, we're fortunate. So in shul, we get us be a little bit distant, not shoulder to shoulder. We are with a mask, and we ask again and thank everyone for going with a mask. And we also have a, a nice amount of social distancing outdoors. I know Tashlich is outdoors, but if you feel that it might be a little bit too packed, then there's absolutely nothing wrong with saying Tashlich at any other time, again, it's here in the neighborhood. Either you can go earlier Sunday afternoon, it doesn't have to be at the end of the day altogether, or you can go there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and really you can go later than that, but it's better not to delay it, at least to make the effort to do it earlier on, which will be in the earlier days of Aseres Yemei Tshuva. Any questions? All right, that's good. I don't see anyone. I don't hear anyone. I just see names. So if there's no questions, Chavre, I have a little bit of a hectic schedule. Oh, Basi, you want to say something? No, just was going to say thank you. Okay. Chavre, we should have meaningful um, preparations. Uh, we're very grateful for the outdoor space that we have. And I know that many people for a while became relatively, to a certain degree, sadly, accustomed to not going to shul. Actually, in the earlier times, it was a, it was the, we, there was a promotion being done by the Jewish leadership not to go to shul, to contain the virus. However, now that here, you know, it's a region by region, here that both it's legal, and, and especially on Rosh Hashanah, uh, to encourage each other and to, uh, to uh, speak up the unique... Kedusha, that a place that's exclusively designated for davening and learning and fabrengen, which is what we call a shul, has over our homes 
the greatness of davening with a minion, even if it is for a short amount of time. On top of that, again, all legal, that we're very fortunate. Not only do we have the outside space for the shul, but that we have a, a, a kid's davening program. It's not as elaborate as it used to be. It's divided into many pods. It's six pods and you know, all the following the CDC guidelines. But uh, and, and on that note, we ask people to plan to send the children there to please sign up. It, it, it's, not, it's not a deal breaker because, because we can deal with it, but it just, it, it, there's, a lot of, there's a lot more effort this year on our part to be better organized, to know how many kids are in the group, and to know if there'll be more than that number to open up another group, and we have new dividers, and we can really make a seventh area all separate. We can, all, we can do it on the cuff, but it's a lot, a lot better if we get prior notification. And Chavra uh, have an easy hachana for Rosh Hashanah. Let's all have a very meaningful last few days of the year. And uh, let, let us be zoichet this year, not next year, this year, that the real, the real Abrahamic Accords, the Emesis Shalim, the real peace has to do with the promotion of God and the promotion of the unique connection of the entire Israel to the Jewish people, which is not something that's being promoted now. I'm not speaking anything negative about the attempts. We're doing the best we could. But uh, this is not uh, this is not what, what what we have been davening for. We are davening for the coming of Mashiach, who's going to put things the way they really should be. And we believe that we don't have to wait for the new year. Like, ah, let this year be over with. No, 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 no. This year had challenges, and this year brought blessings to every person like they never were blessed in their lives. And I'm saying this not to minimize the sufferings that it also brought to many people, but this year was like a, a like a, an extreme year. And I want to focus now on the brachas, that this year was already a blessed year, so blessings attract greater blessings and we should merit that this year we should be zoichet to the coming of Mashiach. Amen.